Oh, that was quick. Oh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, we are being transformed into Christ's likeness. Say it with me again. We are being transformed into Christ's likeness. We're going to focus on that in a number of ways. A couple of songs that will help us focus that way. And then uh, Dr. Janine McConaughey is going to uh, break the word to us. Would you welcome her? You can help us know you're here by helping us focus on you. We can't see you unless you help us do so. We, we can't hear you unless you help us listen. We, we can't respond unless you grace our hearts to make it possible. We confess to you. You're all we want. You're all we need. Help us. Know you're here. We pray it in your name. Amen. You may be seated. I have to look around and get all the, those of you I've had as students placed. <laughs> uh, I only teach the one class on campus and then I teach my Christian school education courses. So uh, I have to wait a while to meet some of you and some of you I don't have the privilege of meeting so you just have to introduce yourself to me. I, um, this is kind of a special night for me because I have with me, he knew I was going to do this, he just gave me that look, um, my son Eric and my wonderful daughter-in-law Kelly, and they are co-pastors, co-youth pastors in Spokane, Washington at Spokane First. And so they have very busy lives and um, very happy to have them here this week. It's made it a little distracting to get ready for tonight, to be honest. Um, transformation. How does that take place? Through the saving power of Christ. Through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Through trials and tribulations, which is what I talked about last fall. Through the study of the Word, and through education and learning. It's all of those things, but it does not happen without purposeful decisions. Um, being here at NBC, that's one of those decisions, isn't it? Uh, it's a choice you made, and it's bringing about transformation because you made that choice. But, not all who come are transformed in the, in the fullest extent of what God intends for them. Should I say that? Yes. Uh, I suppose we have to be truthful, don't we? Um, by saying that there are some who start on the journey that aren't transformed. And it's a great sadness to us, but it is true. Why? 
Well, it's not because God only chooses to transform some into Christ's likeness. It's his desire that we all be transformed. Yet some fight the transformation. In fact, we all do to some degree, don't we? Um, but they fight it by the decisions they make and often by not listening to the advice they're given. Which brings me to the point of transformational lis listening. About three weeks ago, remember Winter Bee? How many of you were overwhelmed in Winter Bee? Well, let me join you. Do you know faculty gets overwhelmed also? I was pretty overwhelmed by Winter Bee. Um, so I prayed for a message. I said, you know, God, I'm going to speak in a few weeks. I really need a word to give them. What, what would you have? Well, the answer came to me in an unusual way. I receive an email devotional every day from um, a gentleman, a pastor, my former pastor and colleague at another college, Hunter Sherman, and he uh, sends devotionals every day. And we've been working through the book of John for a long, long time. And we've reached the post-resurrection appearance of Jesus on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. We will catch up with them in John 21.3. And I have to tell you, in my Christian education classes, I say you should always read directly from the scriptures. I can't find a Bible with print large enough <laughs> to read when I am on this platform because of the light. So I apologize in advance because every time I speak it bothers me, so I'm just going to bring it up right up front and say that I have to put everything I say in 14 font in order to be able to read it. So here we go. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered, we don't. He said, throw your nets on the other side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say that, It is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. Though this scripture was very familiar, it struck me as I was reading it this time. I thought, you know, how many times have I read this? I've taught it. I've, I've, I can't even imagine how many times. And it dawned on me that they obeyed the command to put their nets on the other side without even knowing who it was that told them to do it. In the devotional, and as I had always thought, I always thought that it was because it was obedience, that they had obeyed Jesus, and that's why they were rewarded. But in actuality, they didn't know who it was. They did not know who it was on the shore. So who did they think they were obeying? Some random guy walking on the shore? 
If it was a command, clearly from God, no question, obey. But a random man walking on the shore? We would say that we should obey those placed in leadership above us. But this doesn't even qualify as that. Maybe Jesus' presence, his very presence, commanded respect. Or maybe their culture was less independent and this predisposed them to be more likely to take advice. I was on a quest. This was something that was new to me and I needed to understand. So I looked in several commentaries and found it interesting that none of the commentaries I looked at commented on the fact that the disciples had obeyed the command of a random stranger. Most were focused on the fact they did not recognize Jesus. Matthew Henry said, He showed himself to them gradually. The disciples, though they had been intimately acquainted with him, knew not all at once that it was Jesus. Little expecting him to see him there and not looking intently upon him, they took him for some common person awaiting the arrival of their boat to buy their fish. Even Matthew Henry realized that they obeyed the command of someone they didn't know who it was yet does not comment on this being unusual. Once again, I wondered if culturally accepting the advice of a stranger was more acceptable. So I emailed my former pastor who wrote the devotional. I said, did you think about this? This was his response. I really hadn't thought about the lack of recognition before the obedience. Perhaps the lesson here should have been worded a little more along the lines of recognizing the fact that often we need to learn to take advice and direction from others. It is possible the angle of the sun and the time of the day wouldn't have allowed anyone on the shore to see in the shallow waters. That of course does not negate the miracle of the large catch and the presence of the fish in this part of the lake. And then he goes on to say, most of us suffer from I mentality, especially when it comes to our vocation. So there would have been the typical grumbling who does this guy think he is, etc. They were tired and worn out, frustrated because they had followed Jesus and he had died. He rose again and told them to come to Galilee. They had come to Galilee, so now what? So why not go ahead and do what the guy says? Can't hurt. This type of attitude makes John's recognition even more startling and Peter's reaction more typical. So, I don't think anybody really thought about the fact that they had obeyed a random stranger. One thing that stood out to me in his comments, though, was perhaps the lesson here should have been worded a little more along the lines of recognizing the fact that often we need to learn to take advice and direction from others. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? Let's think about the situation. These were fishermen. This was their trade. They knew the waters. They knew when fish would bite and when they wouldn't. They had fished all night with no luck. Put yourself in their place. Would you listen? to the advice of some random guy walking on the shore? Not likely. We as Americans are proud. We are proud and independent and pretty sure that we are always right. So maybe it was a cultural thing. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure, but it made me start thinking about the fact that the advice we may ignore might be from Jesus in disguise. We may be trying to, he may be trying to provide blessings beyond what we believe are possible. He may be trying to transform us. 
It is clear as the text continues on to describe the catch of fish and the interaction between Jesus and Peter that both blessings and transformation were the intent of Jesus. You know, part of being in ministry is giving advice. I've been giving advice as a college professor and in ministry positions for over 25 years. In fact, one of my main roles has been that of an advisor. Every week I have someone contact me by email, phone, on Facebook, asking for advice. Over the years I've given a lot of good, solid, often biblical advice and probably regrettably have occasionally given some bad advice. In teaching and in ministry, giving advice is something I've been paid to do. As a parent, I just give it for free. <laughs> William R. Alger once said, we give advice by the bucket, but take it by the grain. How true that is. What is interesting about giving advice is the reaction. I found that there are some typical reactions that um, people give when it, back to me or as a result of the advice I give. Some accept the advice and follow through by acting on the advice. Some seem to accept the advice, but don't act on it. Some accept the advice, but choose a different option. Some immediately disagree with the advice and make me wonder why they asked me. You can always tell when something is a common occurrence in the range of human reactions by looking for quotes. This is true for this reaction. Lady Blessington once said, people are always willing to follow advice when it accords with their own wishes. And John Steinbeck said, no one wants advice, only corroboration. Some ignore the advice but actually come back later saying that they should have taken it. I think those people are very humbled and I appreciate when they do that. That is not an easy thing to do. This one even has a song. Uh, you may recognize the lyrics to the theme song for the classic movie Kelly's Heroes. It's Burning Bridges by Lalo Schifrin and Mike Curb. Friends all tried to warn me, but I held my head up high. All the time they warned me, but I only passed them by. They all tried to tell me, but I guess I didn't care. I turned my back and left them standing there. And the whole intent of the song is the fact that I shouldn't have done that. Sometimes when the advice I give is not accepted, the results are very predictable. That is when I am overcome by the urge to say, I told you so. This actually happened to Paul in the 27th chapter of Acts. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and owner of the ship. Now, we often admonish each other, it's really not nice to say, I told you so, right? But Paul had no problem with that. 
In verse 20, we, we begin, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. I would imagine they trusted him this time, though they were not, probably not happy the ship was not going to make it. So on the other side of giving advice is taking advice. It's an, it's an interlocking relationship. Someone gives and someone takes. One person has to give, the other person has to take. The problem is, is that human beings are very complex. And there's a, there's a slide that demonstrates this. The, the matrix of advice interactions looks like this. Notice there are four possibilities depending on either acceptance or rejection and on good or bad advice. What is really discouraging about this is it's possible that the chances for a bad decision as a result of either following or rejecting advice may be greater than the chances of making good decisions. Boy, that makes it tough, doesn't it? Yet the picture is actually more complicated than that. Note, there is an even greater possibility that a trustworthy person can give you bad, bad advice. Actually, um, my husband and I, we, uh, he got advice not to marry me <laughs> from a very trustworthy person. <laughs> and um, we've been married 30 years. So that was... That was advice I'm glad I didn't listen to. Or he didn't listen to because he was the one who got the advice. <laughs> so you see, the person giving the advice does play a part in the decisions we make. A biblical example of good advice given by a trustworthy person and accepted is that of Moses, who accepted the advice of his father-in-law about how to rule the people. Exodus 18.24 states, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. On the other hand, an example of both rejected good advice from, a trustworthy, from trustworthy people followed by, this gets really complicated, I'm sorry, followed by accepted bad advice from, an untrustworthy, from untrustworthy people occurred when Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders and instead listened to his friends. The results were disastrous. In 1 Kings 12, 6 through 13, and this story is so classic on, on the choices you make about advice and how it can turn out so badly. I'm just going to read the whole thing. King Rehoboam asked the elders for advice. That was a good move. They had served his father Solomon while he was still living. Rehoboam asked them, what advice can you give me? How could, should I answer these people? They replied, serve them today give them what they are asking for, then they will always serve you. But Rehoboam didn't accept the advice of the elders. Instead, he asked for advice from the young men who had grown up with him and were now serving him. He asked them, what's your advice? How should I answer these people? They say to me, make the load your father put on, us, on our shoulders lighter. The young men who had grown up with him gave their answer. They replied, these people say to you, your father put a heavy load on our shoulders, make it lighter. 
You tell them, my little finger is stronger than my father's legs. My father put a heavy load on your shoulders, but I'll make it even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I'll beat you with bigger whips. Three days later, Jeroboam and all of the people returned to Rehoboam. That's because the king had said, come back to me in three days. The king answered the people in a mean way. He didn't accept the advice that the elders had given him. Instead, he followed the advice of the young men. He said, my father put a heavy load on your shoulders, but I'll make it even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I'll beat you with bigger whips. Thus, Rehoboam ignored the advice of the elders and accepted the advice of their friends who'd grown up with him and now served him. The result is very clear in the following passage. When it says, Israel has refused to follow the royal family of David to this very day. So the results were disastrous because he listened to the wrong people. Another biblical example of a trustworthy person, though he did betray David, giving good advice, which was rejected, can be found in the midst of the struggle between Absalom and David. Absalom ignored the advice of one who had been trustworthy in the past, once again leading to disastrous results. In 2 Samuel 16.23 it states, In those days, the advice of Ahithophel, what he gave was as good as advice from someone who asked God for guidance. That's what David and Absalom thought about all of Ahithophel's advice. Despite that, Absalom took different advice and that choice ultimately ended his life. So what have we learned? That we need to spend more time thinking about the advice we give and the advice we take. You are all preparing for some form of ministry. And that means that you are going to be part of the matrix. Hopefully the trustworthy good advice part. The times when you feel you have not given good advice will, re will be a humbling time and will remind you of your reliance on God. I have observed that those who learn to listen to advice during their college years go on to fruitful ministries. I hate to say this, but those who won't listen to advice most often don't reach the graduation platform. And if they do, they struggle in ministry. And in this sense, what I'm talking about tonight is that the core, a key to transformation. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end you will be wise. In other words, advice is transformational when accepted. It will lead to wisdom. Now, on the other side of this, it has to be said that all, not all advice is equal. I googled advice, because how many hits I got. 281 million hits. <laughs> there is plenty of advice out there. So how do we distinguish? Well, you know, there's levels. Uh, I, I found this really interesting because I think we sometimes confuse the level of the advice. Uh, a suggestion, that implies something more than a, nothing more than a tentative, it's a recommendation. But a recommendation is weaker than advice and suggests an opinion that may or, not be at, may or may not be acted upon. And then we finally get to advice. So there's two levels below advice, right? Advice is a practical recommendation as to an action or conduct. And then we step it up and go to persuasion, 
which suggests a stronger form of advice urged at some length with appeals to reason, emotion, self-interest, or ideals. And then there's even a level above that, which is counsel, which is weighty and serious advice given after careful deliberation. And then exhortation, which often comes in the form of sermons, suggests an intensified persuasion or admonition, often in the form of discourse or address. So sometimes I think that we hear exhortation and we think it's just a recommendation. And therefore, we can just take it or leave it. And we forget to look at the level at which that advice is being given. I also believe that we need to consider the weight of the decision and seek out wise counsel, uh, such as in the case of Rehoboam. Sometimes we make major life decisions based on suggestions or recommendations from those who have not even spent time learning about all of the ramifications of our situation. Instead, we need to listen to persuasion, seek out wise counsel, and reflect seriously on exhortation. We often worry a lot, but spend too little time in research and critically thinking about our options. Studies have proven this. This is kind of an insulting quote that's coming up next. Um, studies have proven. One such study states, behavioral experiments in psychology demonstrate that people have much less information processing capability than accepted theories presume. In other words, we're really not very good at thinking through problems. Now this study is from a business perspective, but I think it describes the reality. We tend to oversimplify, base decisions on what is comfortable, and listen to those who agree with us, just as Rehoboam did. You know, one of our institutional objectives at NBC is that students will, this is a mouthful, are you ready for it? They will demonstrate critical thinking skills necessary to interact effectively in a culturally diverse and increasingly pluralistic world. I remember us working on that to say that. Isn't it exquisite? What does it really mean? <laughs> you know? Um, what that means is that we as faculty and administrators have committed ourselves to the task of helping students to be transformed by wisdom. I've never seen that on a job description, but I really, I live it every day. It's my responsibility to take students there. Please understand that giving advice to students is a humbling experience. Sometimes when I am giving advice, the whole time I'm speaking to myself. Have you ever done that? You're telling the person what they ought to do, and you're like, oh yeah, God, that's right, you're saying that to me. Um, we're all on this transformational journey together. But I do wonder if our society predisposes us to be skeptical of advice. So many leaders have fallen because they didn't even listen to their own advice. They said it from the pulpit, but they weren't paying attention. And it makes us leery, doesn't it? Who do we listen to? Who's, who's the trustworthy person that gives us good advice? We need to realize that um, good advice is not necessarily dependent on the character of the advisor. And when, but when the character of the advisor is in line with the advice, then that certainly should make us sit up and listen. In other words, the people who walk the walk, talk the talk. A few weeks ago on campus, we conducted ministry progress reviews, and for those of you who've not 
had that experience yet. Uh, you come in and a panel of three faculty members or, and or administrators interview you. And it, it really is an encouraging event, uh, hopefully. Um, but imagine that in that moment of time, you have the combined wisdom of 75 plus years of ministry experience completely focused on you. I don't know another school that does that. That's really an amazing thing. And what an opportunity. This should be one of those situations where our skeptical culture should not interfere with our listening heart. And I noticed uh, that, that Dr. Graves is having a morning where those who are going into ministry can come and talk. And that, that is one of those listening opportunities. And I know some of you, you can't attend, you work, but if you can at all be there, you should be there. Because that is an opportunity to listen to wisdom of someone who has walked the path before you. <clears throat> Let's go back to where we began. Jesus is standing on the shore and a boatload of discouraged disciples are trudging to shore. They hear the stranger on the shore ask them if they've caught any fish. You can hear the tiredness in their voice. I said it much too energetically when I began this. Because they said, no. Throw your, throw your nets on the other side and you will find fish. There it is. That is the pivotal moment where they have to listen and make a decision. It is the pivotal moment in their lives. Sometimes we just keep reading and we don't realize how important that moment was. I don't know what made them listen. I did all this research. I talked to people. I looked up common. I did everything. I, I can't figure out for certain. Maybe that's the question I'll ask when I get to heaven. Why'd you guys listen to the random guy on the shore? <laughs> I don't know what made them listen, but I do know that when God directs me through the voice of another person, I know it deep in my spirit. Imagine with me if they had not listened to the voice. How would their day have been different? They still would have made it to shore, and they would have realized it was Jesus there, but they would have been empty-handed, and the lessons would have been much different. It would have been a hard lesson. Thankfully, they did listen, and they were transformed from the trudging, discouraged group of men into an exuberant crew who found great joy in communing with Jesus himself. Do you see how different the day would have been? Do you see how different a life would have been? I wonder how often the hard lessons that we go through in life could have been learned in an easier way if we had only listened to the person who sent us, who God sent to us with advice. Possibly we could have learned it in a more joyful way. I can tell you there are times in my life when I should have listened. God sent someone to give me advice and I did not listen to it and I had to learn the lesson the hard way. And I think that we can all say, yeah, yeah, there's been a time like that too. And also I think, have I ever gotten bad advice? <laughs> yeah. Um,
but in my heart I knew it was not the voice of God speaking to me. And just because someone gave me bad advice, advice along the way does not mean that I should not listen. Sometimes I was just too busy to realize that the wisdom being given was from God. Other times I was too far away from God to recognize the wisdom as a message from God. Only later did the words come back to me with a sinking realization that I should have listened. The times when I did slow down and listen resulted in life-changing decisions. There were other voices that clamored to be heard, but the call to obedience from the messenger sent by God was as clear to me as the voice of Jesus on the shore. Transformational listening, it's more than hearing. It is accepting the advice that God is directing to us through those he has placed in our lives. By listening, truly listening, we will be transformed. Listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. Father, when it's all said and done, we'll look back on our lives and we'll know the times that we listened and the times we didn't listen. We'll know the messengers that, that you sent to us that we should have listened to. We'll know the times we got it right and the times that we drew closer to you and we joined you on the journey of transformation. Father, I pray that you would help each of us to Listen for your voice. Listen for your voice from the shore, even when we're not sure it's you, but in our hearts. In our hearts, we know that you're speaking to us. Help us to obey that command and reap the blessings and the changes in our life. Thank you for caring enough about us to stand on the shore and call us and help us be transformed. In Jesus' name, amen.